Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 215. My name is John Morgan, flying solo this week in Las Vegas, Nevada. That is right. I am home on a Thursday afternoon, just chilling in the home office while everybody else is around the world covering things. Cold Coffee is down in Rio de Janeiro. He's with Fernando Prachis covering UFC 237. Matt Erickson has made a, a little journey from where he lives just outside of the Chicago area into Rosemont, Illinois for Bellator 221. So we've got dueling events this weekend, and I am home. But uh, no traveling for me. It works out all right, though. I, you know, I, I, To be honest with you, I, I'd love to be at every event, man. I, I'm an I'm a MMA junkie to the core. I, I'd be just happy being on the road every single week at every single event I can. But it worked out great. My son's birthday is uh, Sunday, May the 12th. He's turning seven years old, so I get to be in town for that. And on top of that, of course, May 12th. If you don't remember... At least in the United States, it's Mother's Day, so make sure you uh, you get something nice for your mom. You, you get a phone call ready for or whatever. But uh, obviously, my wife is a mom, so I get to be with her. And my own mom is actually coming to town, so we're making a big family deal out of it. It works out great. So uh, while while all those events are in the capable hands of our fellow staff members, I will be chilling at home and enjoying a little bit of family time. So it is what it is i i like i said mma junkie but when you get those moments at home you might as well enjoy it listen last weekend of course uh before we get into what's going on this week i just want to make a couple quick comments ufc on espn plus nine another event that i hate to miss i hate missing cowboy cerrone fight weeks no no hiding that i'm a cowboy cerrone homer always been uh one of my favorite fighters uh, and, and man, just seeing where he's at these days is, is phenomenal. Big, big win over Ally Quinta. And, um, I gotta say the fight I'm interested in right now is, is Cowboy Cerrone versus Conor McGregor. I, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I, I know obviously there's discussions about it, but there's a lot of hurdles to get through both in the cage and out of the cage and in contracts and all those things. There's a lot going on there. So, you know, I, I don't know if it happens or not. Uh, but I would like to see that. That's the fight I want to see for Cowboy, especially knowing, that that's the fight he wants. I mean, listen, Cowboy's saying he deserves a title shot. Tough argument. I mean, if he's willing to sit around and wait uh, for the winner of Habib Nurmagomedov and Dustin Poirier, I, I would not have a problem with that. He's, you know, as hot as anybody in the division right now, and he, he's a fan favorite nearing the end of his career. You know, it's uh, it's almost a Michael Bisping look, right? A, a guy that's towards the tail end and, and, and but has put in the, the career opportunity, even if you don't feel like his current body of work is enough to call him the number one contender. I don't see how you can't look at his career and say, man, this guy, it's not like he's coming off losses and we're putting him in a title shot. I mean, this guy's hot. He's beating top contenders. And when you think about what he's done for his entire career, man, this guy deserves it. So I'd love to see Cowboy in a title opportunity. But I don't think he's going to want to sit around and wait for September to happen. And he's saying, look, the Conor McGregor fight would mean something to me. You know, it's not the big money fight that everybody paints it out to be, but it's still a fight that I'm interested in. And for that reason alone, I'm down for that fight. It, of course, the the buildup will be phenomenal. I mean, the, 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 the man, pairing those two guys against each other, the, the difference in fan bases, the difference in, in uh, the way they approach pre-fight buildup, I mean, it would be uh, a, an interesting spectacle to say the least. But then getting in there, I think it would be a fun fight. And even though I think 
Cowboy, his his ground game is continuously underrated. Uh, we know he likes to stand and bang, and that's exactly the type of fight that Conor McGregor wants coming back, right? I mean, if you're a Conor McGregor fan, I don't see why you'd want him to go against Habib Nurmagomedov. I, I didn't see anything in that fight the first time around that thinks that makes me think it would go different the second time, and I don't think you want somebody that's going to be wrestling heavy. So, I mean, it does seem like the right fight to come back. I, I can't think of a better stylistic opponent for Conor McGregor to come back to that would have public interest as well. So to me, it's the perfect fight for everybody involved. And, and, and it just it makes so much sense. I think you got to see it happen. Of course, again, a lot of things happening outside of the cage that will factor into whether that comes together or not. But just a fan of me, I'd love to see that fight come together. Now, the only wild card in there, Tony Ferguson, glad to hear that he is cleared, you know, that the, the personal issues that have been plaguing him have been put to the side and that he's – ready to come back, and I, I don't know where you slot him next, I mean, I don't know, a, a Justin Gaethje fight would be awesome, but I mean, anybody, anybody fighting Justin Gaethje is a phenomenal fight, right, I mean, I feel bad for Tony Ferguson, because Tony Ferguson deserves a title fight, you know, and I mean, Tony Ferguson versus Cowboy Cerrone wouldn't necessarily be a, a, a bad fight, it's not like a fight I wouldn't want to sh- uh, show up for, of course it would be phenomenal, but Man, I almost feel like it's a disservice to to both those guys. You know, I, I hate for either one of them to have to knock off the other. Uh, I, I feel like it'd be great for both of them to have their opportunity. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know what the right answer is there. You know, and again, I'm assuming that Habib and Poirier will both be healthy and the, and they'll get this thing done. I I don't know that that's the wild card because Tony Ferguson has also done everything that has ever been asked of him. I feel bad about the journey that he's had in the UFC, so uh, he, he's got to fit in there somewhere. But, uh, yeah, Cowboy Cerrone, man, I just uh, – guy just keeps getting better and better, man, and it's, it's, it's fun to watch. You know, I, I love the thing that he's always said in his career. You know, he's like, I just want to be the guy that when I fight, you know, people say I got to find a way to watch it, you know, whether it's on – USC Fight Pass or ESPN Plus or Fuel TV or FX or Fox or Pay-Per-View or whatever, I got to find a way to go watch that fight. Um, yeah, I, he's he's done that for me. That's that's for damn sure. A uh, lot, of, lot of interesting performances on, on that uh, UFC on ESPN Plus 9 card, but of course there's a ton going on this week as well, so we don't spend too much time. Hopefully we'll get back to doing the uh, and a half episodes in the very near future. This past weekend was uh, once again, unfortunately, impossible with the schedule. Uh, just the way things were, basically, uh, it just. I, bottom line is, I got done working at like midnight, and I had to be back on uh, at 5 a.m. to work. I've worked the last couple Sundays, so it's just made it kind of impossible. But. I'm trying to speak to uh, the powers that be at MMA Junkie and try to get the little uh, and a half episodes on the work schedule. So it's actually part of my actual workflow instead of just you know having to get all of my other work done first and then do that. So hopefully that'll be uh, hopefully that'll be something we can work to in the very near future. I will say, by the way, also last weekend, uh, hopefully you had a chance by now to catch the highlights. If you don't, make sure that, that you have caught the highlights for Bellator Europe 2 or uh, Bellator Birmingham, as it was also known. Uh, some incredible, incredible highlights here. Now, again, it started with a 15-fight prelim card or something like that, which is ridiculous. I mean, I'm glad they're getting European fighters these opportunities, but a lot of fights. Uh, but you had just an incredible, incredible main card at Bellator Euro 2. Raymond Daniels kicked it off. Of course, the Vaughn kickboxer there uh, had just one of the craziest KOs you'll ever see. He's, he's, he's throwing a uh, tornado kick, and he ends up pulling the kick back and doesn't throw it. So he ends up doing a 720. Uh, but then when he lands, 
since he didn't throw the kick, it, there's a little hesitation. He just fires off a right hand, and, and it KOs his opponent uh, in the first round. It was just one of the most phenomenal knockouts you'll ever see. Uh, Pedro Carvalho uh, knocked out Derek Campos. That was an incredible performance. Fabian Edwards, we told you to watch out for him. Uh, he had a first-round knockout, and, and it stemmed from an upkick, basically, is what started the sequence. So uh, Leon Edwards' brother there looked looked phenomenal. He looks every bit the, the prospect that people say he is. And then the main event, Brent Premis picks up a Gogo Plata <laughs> in 80 seconds. How often do you see a Gogo Plata, period? And then to get it in a minute 20, pretty incredible. So an amazing main card uh, for Bellator over there in Europe. The only problem I had with it was... These Bellator Europe cards, and, and again, I get it. They're not really for us. There's a reason it's Bellator Europe. It's for Europe. It's for that market. But it was just kind of hard to watch. Kind of, it wasn't hard to watch because it was on the app. It was easy to watch. The problem was nobody really made it clear where it was going to be. The times that they were giving out were wrong on, on press releases and things like that. And I don't know if that was because they planned on it via tape delay and they just gave us false times. Um, but that that was frustrating. You know, We were trying to provide live results and... You know, the, the MMA junkie staff, we had to shift shift things around because the schedule was off. So um, a, a little bit frustrating that it's not easier to watch those cards. And I get it. I, I understand it's mainly for the European market. But this 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 main card especially was phenomenal. Uh, highlight filled. And, you know, it wasn't on DAZN, which would have made life easy there. I thought it was going to be on DAZN. No, no, no. It wasn't on the normal feed that they give us. They normally have like a little... Uh, uh, you know, we run the prelim feed every week, if you've ever noticed, on MMA Junkie. It wasn't run through that, um, but nobody really made that clear. It was only in the app. So I just, it was just kind of a frustrating experience, and I get it, man. It's still a new thing for them, and they're trying to work it out. And, you know, they're a, they're a small, you know, shoestring staff, man. They keep, they keep expenses tight over their belt tour so that they can, you know, funnel as much money as they can towards talent. Um, as they try to compete with the UFC. But it was just a little bit frustrating. I don't mean to harp on it too much, but I, I just wanted to make those cards easier to watch. I know not everybody's going to, but, man, when you have results like this, um, you know, maybe it'll encourage them to make things a, a little bit easier to watch. I did want to briefly mention the, the wrestling event on Monday as well, Beat the Streets, uh, of course, capped off by Jordan Burroughs with uh, a, a, a drubbing of Ben Askren, if you will. Tech fall, 11-0. Absolutely dominant. No offense whatsoever from Ben Askren. Uh, but I, just two things I wanted to say about this, and I know you know maybe not a ton of people will care about traditional wrestling, but it was a big event for them. It's it's an, it's an annual thing that they do. Um, but two things. And first is, don't be hard on Ben Askren. I, I, <laughs> I know Ben Askren talks a lot of trash, so it is super easy to just pile on him. You know, you saw Kamaru Usman come out now. I, if you're a, if you're a fellow welterweight. Pile on, okay? You're in the UFC. You might have to fight the guy in a cage. He's probably taking shots at you. If he's called you Marty from Nebraska, okay, I'm not I'm not judging Kamaru Usman for piling on. Pile on. But for everybody else, don't pile on. It's not needed, to be honest with you. It, ben knew what he was doing. I think, to be honest with you, this was pretty cool of him. I, I think he knew that it was a, pretty much an impossible mission that he was getting in there to try and accomplish, and yet still he volunteered to do it. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's it, – I, I'll be honest, I don't know. There, there may, I'm sure there's probably some money and appearance fees. So when I say volunteered, I, I imagine he worked out something. Uh, but I know it is a fundraiser, so I, I can't imagine he asked for much. Um, but he did this, and, and, and he knew that he was in a world of trouble. I mean, to, to not have wrestled for as long as he has, and then to come in against one of America's all-time greats, multiple-time world champion, 
Olympic gold medalist. He knew what was up. He knew what the score was, uh, and he was willing to do it anyway to try to bring some attention to this and, and try to make it for the better of the wrestling community. So for that, I say Ben Askren, kudos, uh, and, and I hope other people, unless you're UFC welterweight, won't be too hard on uh, on Ben Askren. And the other thing I want to say, Jordan Burroughs is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Truly just one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen. I, I had a, I had one chance um, to watch him up close, and, and that was back in 2015. They had the World Championships, uh, the Wrestling World Champions here in Las Vegas. And so USA Today asked me if I would go cover it um, just because I was here in Las Vegas. They didn't have anybody out here, and obviously they didn't. You know, it's not a huge money maker, so they didn't want to send anybody out here. So they asked if I'd go cover it. And you know, I, you know, I won't say I know you know a ton about who's involved in wrestling and and, and that sort of thing. I don't follow uh, the wrestling community uh, like somebody else might, but certainly love the sport. You know, a huge part of of mixed martial arts. And even though I didn't know you know the majority of the names, uh, it, it was an honor for me to go watch the sport. And, and Jordan Burroughs was there and did claim gold and uh, was just absolutely phenomenal to watch so the guy is the real deal so further further reason why there's no shame to Ben Askren because Jordan Burroughs is legit all right let's talk about this weekend coming up it's closing in quickly it has been hectic uh today as as content has been pouring in from Brazil pouring in from Chicago continues to pour in as I sit down to record this all kinds of content in MMA Junkie if you want to go over there and, and uh Check out analysis and previews and everything of of, uh, of both cards. I want to start with Bellator 221 because I think there's a real argument that this card, that this card is better than Bellator or than UFC 237. Now, when I say that, I mean only at the top of the bill. Okay, I mean anytime you look at a Bellator and a UFC card together, the UFC is always going to be better as a whole. There's just no question about it. I mean. Bellator's business model, they they fill the prelims with local ticket sellers. And not that there's not some talents there. I mean, uh, shoot, I mean, Michael Chandler was a, a local ticket seller at one point. You know, there's there's other names that have kind of come through the Bellator system that, that started down, you know, down low. They were just, you know, a, a little one-off down on the bottom. Um, hell, Strikeforce used to find people like that, too. Um, so I'm not taking any shot at the people that are down at the bottom. But, you know, when you when you... When you go through the card and you're saying, okay, here's uh, 0-1 Jason Beaulieu versus 0-0 Dave Latoria. You know, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I, you know, Mar- and it's funny, it's, it's randomly, that's the third fight from the bottom. Okay, that's the third prelim of the night. Now, if I go over to UFC 237, uh, the third fight of the night is uh, Warley Owls versus Sergio Marias. Okay, I mean, there's a big difference there. Now, you know, I, I'm not saying that every prelim is, is, is riveting at UFC 237 or any UFC card, but just saying, when you go through it as a whole, I think the UFC is always going to be a higher quality product top to bottom. But when you look at the featured fights, you look at the main and you look at the co-main, I mean, Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade, phenomenal fight. Jared Kanier versus Anderson Silva, kind of a weird fight, right? I mean, a fight that I don't know anybody's clamoring for. I mean, I'm happy that Anderson Silva gets to fight down in Brazil, uh, in front of his home audience again. Uh, Jared Cannonier, I like Jared Cannonier, man. He's an interesting dude, but this fight, the fight itself doesn't do much for me, to be honest. It didn't seem like they were on any collision course. I don't understand really what the, the, the point of it is. I don't understand what the stakes of it are. So, you know, the co-main's a little 
uh, a little head scratcher to me. Now you go over to Bellator, Michael Chandler versus Patricio Ferry, the the Pitbull brothers, of course, not big fans of Michael Chandler. There's real heat for this. On top of that, it's champ versus champ. Uh, Patricio moving up a division to try to take Michael Chandler's belt has basically said, I don't even I don't even care to defend it. I just want to move up, beat Michael Chandler's ass, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll hang his belt on my on my mantelpiece and somebody else can fight it. So a good, good main event. Now, I, I, Nama Yunus versus Andrade, that's a phenomenal fight as well. I mean, stylistically, it's incredible. Um, I, not heat. It doesn't have any heat. But, I mean, look, this isn't all about heat. We're just talking about quality of matchups. I mean, I think those are even. But then when you go down to the, the co-main, you say Douglas Lima versus Michael Venom Page. I mean, that to me blows away Anderson Silva versus Jared Cannonier. No disrespect to Anderson Silva, uh, who still is one of the greatest athletes, uh, greatest MMA athletes of all times. Not disrespecting him, just saying the matchup itself. Michael Venom Page, the, the much-hyped prospect for so long. Now he's getting into it. Welterweight Grand Prix semifinal matchup. Quarterfinal, yeah, not great. That, that 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 fight was definitely disappointing, but now Douglas Lima, we're talking about a real test here. MVP, is he for real? There is no more hiding. Now is when we find out. And you go down a little further, Pat Curran versus AJ McKee. Very, very, very similar situation here, right? AJ McKee, a guy again that I've been incredibly high on, man. I, I am on board the AJ McKee bandwagon and have been from, you know, two and oh. I think this guy's the real deal. He gets to prove it now, too. Pat Curran. Okay. I, th- these are two. I love it. You know, yes, Bellator, just like, you know, Strike Force maybe did before, they get accused sometimes of slow playing these prospects along. You know, that's that's a Scott Coker special right there. You know, kind of kind of feed these guys, build them up, build them up. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it. But I know MMA fans are more accustomed uh, to a, a quick test, best fighting the best at all times instead of the, the boxing matchup of kind of building building people up, okay? But now now, now we're getting it with both Michael Venom Page and A.J. McKee. So uh, I, I love these top three fights. Now, that's where you get interesting. See, it, it is bizarre, right? If Aldo Volkanovsky was the co-main and we're comparing apples to apples I mean, we're looking main, main, co-main, co-main, I think Aldo... Versus Alexander Volkanovsky should have been the co-main event. To me, it's just I, I get it. Maybe, you know, maybe it's just it's the respect of Anderson over Aldo, whatever the case may be. I I, I don't know. Um, I, I guess that makes sense. But they're both former champions, and um, again, the Aldo Volkanovsky matchup potentially a number one contender fight. So I, I I don't know why that wasn't the co-main. I really feel like it should have been the co-main. And now, if we're just looking main and co-main, now now. Now maybe the edge, the, the needle goes back over to the UFC. I don't know. It's at least more even at that point. Um, and, and again, once we kind of go down the list a little bit, I mean, Jake Hager versus TJ Jones, no disrespect there, but I think we all got our first look at TJ Jones earlier today, and um, I don't think anybody is impressed with the eye test. That doesn't mean that uh, he can't come in and surprise us all on Saturday night, um, but but I don't know. These 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 key feature matchups. It's it's at least interesting. And then here's where it really gets interesting. USC 237. You got to pay the pay per view price. You got to pay the 60 bucks. It's not on ESPN Plus. It's not on ESPN. Yes, the prelims are, but not the main card. You got to pay 60 bucks. And for Bellator 221, you don't. So I don't know, man. To to me, I mean, I, I think you can make the argument either way. 
But this is a, a card where if we're talking about main card only, and especially if we're factoring in price, that you might say, man, I'm, I'm leaning towards Bellator this weekend. I think it's the better card, or at least the card that interests me more, or at least the card that, that I'm going to be watching live because you know I don't want to shell out my 60 bucks. Um, so I, I find that intriguing. I do. Because uh, I don't know that that's normally the case in, in a lot of the situations. But here I think it's it's a very, very uh, valid valid argument. So. All right, let's let's. Uh, speaking of uh, McKee, uh, there was a press conference today, and uh, AJ McKee had uh, quite a bit to say, as you would expect, as he always does. Uh, Patricio Ferry, uh, not afraid to step in as well. You'll hear a little bit of his voice as well. But Matt Erickson was there recording everything uh, at the press conference today, and I thought I'd include a little bit of that, especially just focused around AJ McKee. Chandler and Pitbull, I know you've heard plenty from those guys, man. The hype has been out there. I, I, I know you're there. Lima Page, I will say that fight has flown under the radar a little bit. I mean, Lima, not a trash talker by any stretch of the imagination. Of course, uh, MVP is, is admitted it's been it's been tough for him. He lost his father uh, recently, and it's you know he's just kind of preferred to take a back seat lately uh, in preparation for the fight. So that fight's probably flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, but not much hype around Pat Curran and A.J. McKee. And I am, again, I'm, I'm waving the flag for A.J. McKee. I'm, I'm on that bandwagon, uh, and I'm excited that he is getting this really, really stiff test. And uh, here's a little bit of what he had to say earlier today. Uh, over on the end, of course, A.J. McKee, you're, you're fighting Pat Curran. Um, you, you feel as well that you, you can devastate and lay waste to everyone here, including Pitbull, including Pat Curran. Uh, yes, I feel like I'm just the, the new wave, the new generation of the sport. You know, I'm looking forward to going out there and fighting Pat. You know, that's that's the man that's stepping in front of me. That's the champion that's stepping in front of me. You know, he's the one with the accolades. He's the one. He's the true champ that stepped up in this place. You know, so I appreciate the fight. Thank Pat for taking the fight, and uh, look forward to going in there and doing what I do best. But you've been quite vocal about the fact that you already believe you could beat the featherweight and the lightweight champions. Oh yeah. It's, it's just a matter of time. I'm, I'm going to continue to do what I do best, and that's take one name out at a time. And right now, Pat Kern's on the list. Um, only reason why is because Tracy don't want to sign that contract. You got somebody 13-0 in my division knocking people out left and right. That's who I'm fighting. I've been calling his name since my first fight. So right now, Pat Kern's the man with the job. AJ, you're 24. Am I, on, am I on point with that? Yes, sir. 24 years old, youngest guy on stage. So I have to ask, when um, when did you first know about Pat Curran? Do you like remember the first fight you ever saw of Pat's and how old you were? I've been watching Pat for years, man. Honestly, I've been watching a lot of these guys up here for years. So it's it's just an honor just to be up here and be able to compete with these guys at this level and and set the bar. You know, that's that's what I'm always trying to do. I'm always trying to outdo everyone. So just stay prayed up and continue to do my best and put in the work, you know. Everyone goes through trials and tribulations, but at the end of the day, it's, it's how you come out of things. You uh, had another young gun in your training camp body shop, um, Aaron Pico. I recently read an article uh, that Aaron Pico was leaving to go to Jackson Wink. Can you uh, tell me, have you trained with him at all in this training camp of yours? No, I have not. Um, it is what it is, you know. Um, still my boy. We've always been friends since we were a kid, but then the day is business. You got things you got to do. I'm going to continue to do what I got to do. You had a, a little back and forth with Pitbull on the call, and that was pretty fun. You called him a weenie. Um, and he actually responded with picking Pat Curran 
to, to beat you. What do you think about Pitbull's assessment of this fight, and uh, where does all this emotion come between you two? I told you, he wants Pat to do a job that he can't do, and that's why I said Pat's the true champ taking a real fight. So I thank Pat for that opportunity. Is Pat Curran the toughest guy you've ever fought? Hands down. And, and Pitbull, last questions for you, my friend. You've competed against Pat Curran. Uh, you guys have had wars back and forth, very, very competitive fights. Can you speak on um, what your experience has been like against Pat Curran as a martial artist and how you see this actual matchup between um, McKee and Curran? Curran was one of the best guys that I fought, and I believe he's going to kill this motherfucker. You fought no bottom, man. You fought nobody. Now you're gonna fight a, so. a really good guy. You will see. You just don't want to fight me. AJ, uh, if you are able to get past Pat Curran, a former champion as well, um, you had a fight scheduled with Emmanuel Sanchez. Of course, you guys had a little back and forth on Twitter and have that beef. Would you like to fight Emmanuel Sanchez? I want my belt. I sign contracts and I show up to fight. If you pull out, that's not on me. That's on you. I fought with broken hands before. I signed that contract. I show up to fight. That's my job. So regardless what it is, hey, show up. Okay, bring it over here. First match of the tournament. I'll take you whenever, bro. Come, come it don't matter. Come here now. Bring me my belt. What do you want? Yeah. Anywhere. Guys, listen, that's, that's the reason why we're having our 16-man uh, the way tournament later this year. So uh, that's another time and another place. All right, so there you have it, AJ McKee. He is young, he is talented, he is confident. Uh, it is interesting. Aaron Pico has kind of left that stable, so uh, you know I don't think any hard feelings there. But I think Aaron was just looking for some uh, some different looks and some some opportunities to change some things up. But um, yeah, I mean. Uh, and I know, you know, anytime you lose a, a, a solid training partner like that, it does affect your preparation, but a, a big moment here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think this is going to be a phenomenal card. Uh, I, I am looking forward to uh, to watching this. I, I think they're running pretty much simultaneously, so I don't know how much of it that I'll get to uh, get to watch live because I'm going to be assisting with the USC 237 coverage, and then I'll probably have to watch uh, Bellator 221 back. I might have another screen open. On the side, but uh, you know when you're helping with one coverage, you, don't, you definitely don't want to be uh, too distracted. So, uh, all right, listen, uh, UFC 237. Again, uh, excited about this card. I, I love the title fight. I don't know if it's the type of fight that's going to sell big. You know, it's going to be a big pay-per-view hit. Of course, we're still in that uh, an, an adjustment phase of people figuring out where to get the pay-per-view now that it's exclusively on ESPN Plus. Um, I, I don't know if this would have been a huge seller anyway. But it's a phenomenal fight, man. Rose Namajunas, Jessica Andrade, two phenomenal fighters. Uh, and this is a fantastic fight. It's it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by the, the, the mental side of it, you know, with, with Rose admitting, uh, you know, some of her struggles over the years. But now here she is, uh, you know, making the, 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 the trip down to Brazil, going into hostile territory. So I dig that. I don't necessarily understand the Cannoneer fight with Silva, but it, it is what it is. Aldo Vol Volkanovski is, uh, is class. Um, and, of course, there are some other fights that, that I'm interested in. Uh, Clay Guida versus BJ Penn standing out on the ESPN prelims. Um, that's one that uh, is, is uh, well, there's a lot to talk about there. There really is. But here's what I thought I would do. I thought this would be kind of fun. Um, in, in, the, the good dudes 
at Submission Radio. Our good friends, Dennis and Casper, down in Australia. Uh, we, we try to see them, of course, every time that we're down in Australia. They make the trip over here from time to time. But they had me on for a, a preview of UFC 237 on their latest episode of their podcast, which if you're listening to this, I hope you listen to Submission Radio as well. If not, make sure you add it to your, your list, man. They do a great job. They get great guests. Um, I, I think they're two sharp guys, man. I think their analysis is good. Uh, I think their understanding and passion for the sport is, is great. Um, they cover the, their own, uh, you know, the they cover the scene from an Australian angle, um, but definitely not just limited to, you know, a point of view from that region, man. They, they really do cover the scene. Uh, very, very well. So uh, I, I love both those guys. And I thought it'd be an opportunity to, uh, you know, rather than rehash what, what I said there, um, to, to kind of let them display their work here and, uh, and 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 kind of let them set me up a little bit, man. It was kind of fun. So I figured I'd share that audio here, kind of replatform it, so to speak, uh, because they had some great questions and we talked about some great topics and um, it was a good preview and I was I was happy to be a part of it and uh, I figured if you haven't listened to Submission Radio before maybe here's a chance to get a little taste of them and maybe put you know another uh, another MMA podcast into your rotation so uh, here is my uh, recent appearance with the uh, the crew at Submission Radio. All right, guys, our next guest is the man in blue. You, of course, know him from his excellent work at MMAJunkie.com, kicking off every UFC press conference and the uncanny ability to always be equipped with a cold, frosty beverage. He is the Stone Cold Steve Austin of MMA. Give me a hell yeah. And he'll actually be calling the fights at Cage Fury Fighting Championships on May 25th alongside CM Punk and Jessica I, if you can believe that. John Morgan himself, welcome back to Submission Radio. How are you today, man? I'm good, man. I'll clarify. It is Jessica Penne. Jessica I is focused on her championship fight right now. I so am an idiot. She's getting out doing any compensating. <laughs> <laughs> but no worries, man. No, no, no. I'm, I'm excited. You know, that's, I, I appreciate you mentioning that, man. I'm actually really excited to kind of get back into the commentating world. It's something I really enjoy doing. I hadn't done for, for a couple of years, and uh, I'm excited about it, man. It's great, man. You'll be calling the fights in your C5 pass, and this is sort of explain to us. Is this a one-shot deal? Are you going to be calling multiple shows here? Yeah, we're kind of figuring that out right now. CFSC, uh, for people that, that are outside the United States, might not know. It's a, it's a company that's been around for a long time, but it was based on the East Coast out in New Jersey. Of course, I'm here in Vegas, but they're, they're coming out to California. They're starting to travel around a little bit. They're kind of ramping up a little bit. They kind of want to be one of these developmental leagues, kind of a, a primary destination to get people to that next level and get into the UFC. And so they're going to travel around a little bit. Uh, and by doing so, it kind of opens up some opportunities. I think they still have some local crew that they're going to use back in Jersey. But uh, for this show, we're giving it a shot, and hopefully there'll be hopefully there'll be more things in the future. Dude, I, I hope so because you you've done a great job with commentary in the past. But this is going to be fascinating seeing you uh, obviously and seeing Punk calling the action and Jessica Pena, as I just learned. Why why do you think he was chosen <laughs> to be on the broadcast? I'm interested about that, and what are you expecting from him for CFFC? Well, look, he's actually already done a couple shows for CFFC, so those are on Fight Pass. Which I got, and he's done a good job, man. The guy goes in there, he, he does his homework. Uh, he knows the sport. I mean, I know people take shots at him for his fighting ability, but, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about CM Punk before he joined the UFC, and and, and, I, and I really, I've never seen a wrestling match I, 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 of his. I, I don't know anything about him uh, from that aspect of his world, but I can tell you that every time I've ever been around him, the guy is buttoned up, man. He's a professional. Uh, he, he's dedicated. He works hard, and, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to work with him. I really am. I, he always struck me as a great guy, man. I, I understand why people take shots at him, and, you know, why did he get to the UFC when maybe he didn't deserve it, and there were other fighters that maybe deserve it. 
But I always thought his attitude was great about it. You know, he just said, listen, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to be the greatest ever, but, I, you know, I, I love the sport and this is a dream of mine. And the fact that I have some popularity and some star power means that uh, UFC president Dana White, they're, they're giving me the opportunity to do this. And if somebody tells you you can fight in the UFC and fulfill your dream, who would turn that down? So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get together and, and, and work with them. Mm, yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head there. I mean, obviously, maybe he's not a, a pan-for-pan fighter, but this is a guy that could be doing – a billion and one things, especially if you want to make a lot of money. And here he is. You can see his passion for MMA. He's putting in the work and really doing it as a passion project. So it's great to see you guys doing it all together. And I wonder if he'll be grabbing a beer with, with the great John Morgan after the thing. We'll have to find that out later. But look, let's look at UFC 237. And let's start off with Anderson Silva versus Jared Cannonier. We were all there. We all laughed in Melbourne when Israel Adesanya suggested this matchup for Silva. But wow, now here we are, and he's probably laughing at us. Ultimately, do you think the UFC uh, sort of uh, made the right fight here? Is it, seem to, is it safe to assume the UFC are sort of using silver to build rising contenders? Or do they believe that this could be a fight that you know, silver could win in Brazil? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, Israel Adesanya is the man that you got to to pick his head to find all that out. He has he has his finger on the matchmaking pulse, man. That that was a great story, man. Adesanya suggested this fight, and we all kind of cracked up and said it's not going to happen, and then it happened. So bizarre. Um, listen, I, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it to me it was a little bit out of left field, and that's why I think I laughed at it. You know, and, and no disrespect to Jared Cannonier or Anderson Silva for that matter, but yeah, it's it's that question right there. What is what is the UFC trying to accomplish with Anderson Silva, especially fighting in Brazil? I mean, Jared Cannonier, a guy that came to the UFC as a heavyweight, man, and then he, he makes it down to light heavyweight. And I remember him saying, I, man, I can do middleweight. And we all just thought, man, are, are you serious? And then he came out hmm. and just looked like an absolute monster at, at 185 pounds, man. He is a scary dude. So, you know, I, I don't think this is any kind of a, a gimme fight or a setup for Anderson Silva, even though he's fighting in Brazil. I, 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 I'm picking Cannonier in this fight. So, it is a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. I mean, the Brazilian audience, of course, man, this is the return of Anderson Silva for the first time, uh, I believe, since the Bonner fight that he fought in Rio, I mean, uh, to, to be fighting in Brazil. So, I, you know, I think they'd love to have that, you know, welcome this this grand champion home, but I, I think this is a tough test for him. Mm. And just a funny Canadian story, I remember UFC 230. I mean, like you said, he was moving down, doing the whole middleweight thing. And he had a new look. Like, he had a different hairstyle, and his facial hair looked a lot different. And I think when people think thought of Cannonier, they thought of, like, the old-school one with the shaved head, and he was a bit mm. big. Man, I mean, and I'm honest when I say this, like, 90% of the media didn't even know that was Cannonier until it hit yeah. media day, and he <laughs> sat down. And, uh, I mean, you look at the guy on Instagram, like, this is not, like, a superstar kind of guy. Like, he's new to Instagram. He doesn't post too much. He's just, like, a nice, normal guy. What do you think fight week will, will be like for a guy like Kananiya who kind of keeps to himself, wasn't really, but didn't even, media, media didn't even know he was on this card until he stepped into media day at UFC 230, and now he's fighting a legend like Anderson Silva. What do you think that does to him? I, I think, you know, he's a guy that's not going to get overwhelmed by the moment. I mean, obviously, he's got the military background. He, he was, you know, working in the FAA. I mean, he's been working in kind of high-pressure situations, um, and, and I don't think the, 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 the enormity of the moment is going to get to him. The other thing that I really like as well is is John Crouch in his corner, man. John Crouch has seen everything and just has such a, a great understanding of of everything that's in there. And and uh, you know they, I was actually watching the countdown this morning and and, and watched him and I thought, man, that's dead on you. Know, they talked about 
preparing for for the way Anderson fights. You know, understanding that look, he's going to try to make you seem silly. He's going to try to make you miss and, and and feel dumb, and then he's going to capitalize on that. You know, and you and you have to be so patient. You know, it, I almost think about like like Derek Brunson the other day with the last Theodore. I mean, yes, it wasn't the mm. greatest fight of all time, but he fought the fight that he had to fight to deal with a very awkward opponent. And, and not that Anderson and Elias are, are doing the same things, but they're, they're fighters that do things different than most people. Um, and I think Jerry Cannonier is going to be prepared for that. And that, that's why to me, I, I think this moment is, you know, a, a tough one for Anderson. It's not just the athlete that's on the other side of the cage, which is a, is a physical specimen. As you said, man, just looks completely different at 185 pounds. Um, but I, I think he's going to be mentally ready for the challenge as well. So, uh, listen, Anderson is capable of doing amazing things, even at his advanced age. But, but this this is a tough one. I, I, I was watching the David Branch fight last night, actually, in preparation for this. And I still feel like Cannoneer is... is He's athletically an absolute monster, but he's kind of a little bit raw. So I do feel like Anderson Silva has the opportunity to sort of take advantage. He, he has the skills. It's just whether he has the, the, the physical tools still to sort of, you know, get the job done. What do you think it says about Anderson Silva if he does lose to Jared Cannonier? I mean, we had Aaron Bronstetter met on the show just before, and he did say that this is easily Anderson's lowest profile opponent. In, in a very, very long time. But it just doesn't seem like Anderson Silva is going to be retiring anytime soon. I would agree with that assessment. I'd agree with your assessment as well, too. I mean, that's the thing. Such veteran savvy, you know what I mean? And the mental the mental strength that Anderson has and the, and the traps that he can set and the intelligence that he has. He has the ability to do this. It's just, as you said, as if the physical tools are still there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think a loss here would be devastating. I just don't think that a loss here means the end of his career, especially fighting in Brazil. I mean, um, this guy is on a different level. I mean, I, I think people around the world understand what a star Anderson Silva was. I mean, you know, that's why it is so special when Anderson, you know, travels to Australia or travels somewhere else, you know, to, to fight because people are like, wow, that's Anderson Silva. And I think you can mm. still get those. I mean, there's still emerging territories uh, that you could put them on a, on, a, on a card and say, look, man, that's that's Anderson Silva right there. And in Brazil... It's unbelievable. I mean, it, him and Noguera, and of course Vitor as well, uh, to to a little bit lesser extent, but Anderson and Noguera especially, they're on a they're on a totally different plane. So, you know, do I think that this could be the end of of meaningful fights? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. You know, I, I don't think that Anderson is going to be in championship contention, especially man. The top of that division is nasty right now. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it it is. I, I don't think it's you know we're, we're looking at hey, this could be his last fight. Um, but it is going to have a big impact on how meaningful those fights are moving forward. Mm. And I wonder with this ESPN deal, with them sort of wanting as many stars on these pay-per-views as possible, if Anderson Silva's one of these guys that they're hoping sort of gets people buying those pay-per-views. Quickly, before we talk about Aldo and Volkanovski, we have to mention BJ Penn because he returns once again and faces Clay Guida. Now, aside from this, his decline in the cage, BJ has been surrounded by a lot of controversy lately between the restraining order filed by his wife to the active investigation of him threatening a farmer with a machete, why do you think the UFC even allowed this fight to go ahead? Do you think they should have or they might have thought about pulling Penn from this one? I mean, I think the UFC, you know, especially when you talk about Dana White and the old guard, I mean, they feel very much a sense of loyalty to BJ Penn. I mean, that's a relationship that's longstanding and there's a lot of respect there, you know. Um, You know, is it the right decision? I don't know. I mean, I... I, I kind of wish I was going to be in Rio just to have that opportunity to ask him mm. and look him face to face and ask him like, why, why are you doing this? I mean, I get it, man. It is hard to walk away from that spotlight, man. The, 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 the feeling, uh, I mean, 
the feeling of an arena as a journalist on fight night is fun. You know what I mean? Mm. But to, to be the center of all that and to think about that adrenaline and what it brings to you and, and, and the glory of that and testing yourself. And, you know, there's, there's been, you know, if you read between the lines of some of those police reports and stuff, there's a lot of talk about, you know, and, and it's not anything that people haven't heard before, but that BJ needs that focus in his life to stay sober and to stay on the straight and narrow, you know, to have, the, the truth of a fight coming, that's what it takes for him to stay focused and to stay clean. And so, you know, I, I think there's a sense of loyalty with the UFC. Um, you know, do I think it's necessarily the best idea? I, I don't know, man. I, I was, you know, you get around BJ and it's crazy. I remember the Yair Rodriguez fight. I mean, they announced that and it's just like, oh my God, what are we doing here? And then you mm. get around BJ and you're like, this guy's feeling it this week, man. He's here. He's back, you know? He's just so infectious, man. It gets you believing it, you know. So, um, you know, we'll see. I hope he has a good performance. This is not an easy fight for him. Uh, I know it's another veteran. You know, fortunately, it's not a 23-year-old kid or anything like that. But, um, you know, this is this is a tough fight. And, um, you know, I hope BJ's doing it for the right reasons. And Clay Guida, he's been fighting pretty decently lately. Who, who are you picking in this fight? I, I know, like, with Clay Guida, kind of like with Ryan Hall, kind of like with um, some of the other options, like – He's not the most devastating fighter, like with Yair Rodriguez and Frankie Edgar. Like, those were just tough to watch. But Guida's still fighting at a, at a decent level. Do, do you think BJ can get it done, or do you think this is going to be another tough one to watch? Yeah, I'm, I'm picking Guida in this. And, and um, you know, it was funny you mentioned that, because like you said, you know, Ryan Hall, I you know, I don't love the idea of BJ still fighting, but I understand that he's a man that can do what he wants to do, and he's paid his dues in the sport and deserves that respect. I like the Ryan Hall matchup, because you, know, you knew there yeah. wasn't really a chance come out and just clock him mm-hmm. you know and i don't think clay guida is going to come out and, and one punch stop him either but you know he could get on top of him and he could grind him out and, and he could keep a, a pace you know maybe he doesn't take the ground maybe he stays on the feet and peppers and moves um you know yeah it, it, it could be tough to watch i think we'd all love to see and, and not cheering against clay guida because he's a great guy man clay guida's been around forever and he deserves yeah. respect uh, but i think we just all love to see something good from bj penn um but i have to lean towards clay guida Mm. I just love how this fight is like hidden away on a card in Brazil in 2019. And this would have been what, the main event like 10 years ago, even longer ago? So, mm. Crazy times. All the carpenters well, was, in Brazil will make their way out for that one. I will say this, though. It is an interesting thing about, you know, we're kind of feeling this whole TV deal out in the U.S. now. But the way this is going to air in the U.S. is that, you know, the first fights will be on, on ESPN+. Plus. Guida and BJ Penn will kick off the ESPN portion. Um, so that's the one that's on, you know, basic cable. You know, everybody has ESPN. Uh, pretty much everybody has ESPN. I mean, who doesn't yeah. have cable? To but, you know, it's interesting to think. I mean, that, that section, you know, I, I don't know what these pay-per-view sales are right now. Nobody does. I mean, so that section could get quite a few eyeballs on it. I think you're right. I think a lot more people probably see that fight than the pay-per-view. I mean, who are we kidding? It's... It's a good, it's a decent pay-per-view, but it's not amazing by any means. Let's talk about this Aldo Volkanovski fight. Aldo's had success. He's won some fights, beating such guys, such tough guys as Stevens. But look, it looks like there's a bit of a changing of the guard. You know, Volkanovski's on a 15-fight win streak. You know, a lot of those fights that he's won in the UFC hasn't even been 100%. Here we're hearing that uh, Aldo is having health problems going into this fight. Do you think he's got the skills to give Aldo problems, especially in a three-round fight? 
I really do. I really do. I, I'm, I've been super high on Volkanovski since he came to the UFC. He has impressed me not only with his fighting abilities, but just the the whole package about him, his mental attitude, the way you know his the, his, his jovial nature and in interviews. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I just love everything about Alexander Volkanovski, um, and I think he wins this fight. I really do. I, I think that although. You know, if you look at the last two fights, uh, which is what everybody's keen on, he's had some great results, um, but he's 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 shown some deficiencies there as well. It hasn't like he's just been uh, completely dominant either. Um, and I do feel like Volkanovski is kind of that that new generation. Now, all those takedown defense has always been yeah. you know, impeccable, impeccable. And and Aldo in Brazil, it's like on another level, man. I'm telling you, the feelings. Uh, of, of Jose Aldo walking to the cage in Rio, it is something special, man. He is a man of the people there. Uh, he is so beloved. And, 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 yes, I know that's just an intangible. We're talking about crowd noise. But, man, when you talk about, you know, getting that little shot of adrenaline, that little something extra that you're going to need, Aldo's going to have that uh, readily available in, in this fight. And, and I think Aldo is still competing at a high level. It's not like, you know, I don't look at Aldo and say, oh, Man, if only you could have seen the old Aldo. That guy could fight. You know what I mean? Like, no, Aldo's still competing at a high level. I just do believe that Volkanovski is, is ready for this test. I do believe he is kind of that that next generation. And, uh, you know, could be wrong here, but I do believe this is this is his big coming out party. If people aren't riding the Volkanovski bandwagon already, I think this is, this is the moment they do it. I think there's definitely some people on that train, on, on that bandwagon by now. And I feel like Aldo, it's almost like going super sane for him when he fights in, uh, in, in you know, Rio. I feel like it's, it's almost an unfair advantage. But I was going to say, if you had to break it down, what do you think Volkanovski's path to victory is here? Because I was looking at this matchup. You mentioned the takedown defense of Aldo. And Volkanovski does arguably some of his best work on the ground. If he can't get it down there to the ground... Do you think he has a shot at sort of, you know, beating Aldo on the feet? Because we saw, obviously, he looked incredible against Chad Mendes, a guy that, you know, Aldo had had some problems with and had some back and forth in the second fight. I think he can have success. I mean, I think the whole key is that he's always got to be moving forward. I mean, yes, the takedown defense, I think he'll get a takedown or two. I think the, the other big key is that this is a 15-minute fight, not a 25-minute fight. So I think he's got to be relentless with his pace and i think he's got to be moving forward at all times if, if you miss a takedown you got to reshoot and, and if he stops that one you got to reshoot and you got to press it against the fence and you got to be adjusting and you got to be moving and i think volkanovsky is capable of doing that for 15 minutes no quick i think you can do it for 25 but knowing it's only for 15 um i, I think that makes it i, I don't want to say easier but you know you don't have that concern of oh my gosh i need to pace myself a little bit here in this first round um, and, and so that's what I think he's got to do. I don't think if he sets up at kickboxing range uh, and tries to, to duke it out there that he'll he'll be successful there. I think that plays into exactly what Aldo wants. I think he has to understand, listen, th- his defense is fantastic. Don't get frustrated. Keep being relentless moving forward. Keep reshooting. Keep making it dirty. Make it into an ugly type fight like that. And if he does that, um, I, I think he'll win. Mm, and we mentioned the whole injury just before. I mean, how much of an X factor do you think Aldo is and he is here? Like, it's hard to tell with fighters, you know, they'll say something's not right, then everything's fine, then after the fight you find out, you know, that they only have one finger that works. So going into this one, I mean, Volkanovski needs to get a takedown, and Aldo may have a, a busted knee. Do you think this could be the X factor that gets him the win? It definitely could be, man. I, you know, you never know, like you said, with any fighter. I feel like the Aldo camp's, like, notoriously kind of private about things mm-hmm. like that as well, mm-hmm. so... And the um, Volkanovski camp, he's never yeah. I think he only fought once in the UFC healthy. Yeah. It's true. You, you never know. I mean, I, I try not to put too much stock into that because, as you said, everybody's banged up, man. I've, 
I've, I've seen you know, guys at gyms on crutches a week out of a fight, and, <laughs> and the next thing you know, I'm like, why? Why is he not pulling out of that fight? What is mm. happening here? You know. Uh, so nobody's ever 100. Um, percent I, I just, man, I, I mean, Aldo can 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 surprise you again. I think this is a very competitive fight. Um, I, I just believe that, as Volkanovski says, man, I believe this is his time. You know, all respect in the world to Aldo, one of the greatest featherweights of all time, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Doing it in Brazil is, is going to be an even a greater challenge, but I, I just believe this is Volkanovski's moment to kind of step up to that next tier. Man, if Volkanovski can get it done, if he can extend the streak, become a, a title contender, you got to think this would get him the next title shot. The things it would do for, you know, the, the, the recent, I guess, success of Australasia, obviously Robert Whitaker, Isra Adesanya, shit, we're claiming him, and he basically he trains with Isra Adesanya these days. It, it would be absolutely massive for Aussie MMA, but... With Jose Aldo, you know, he's been speaking a lot about going to boxing and sort of moving on from the UFC. He wants to fight out his contract by the end of the year. Do you think it really happens? I mean, this this is something he's spoken about before, but at the same time, he's left that window open for, you know, look, we're, we're open to anything. We're open to negotiations. Do you think he's dangling boxing out there as, as a, a public negotiating tool to sort of say to the UFC, hey, I have other interests? Because at, at the moment, when he talks about getting a title shot in his final UFC fight, I mean... It seems like an absolute pipe dream. Yeah, it's weird. It kind of goes back and forth on it, right? Like, mm. one, I just want to fight out my contract, but then I also want to be champion. And, yeah. you know, it's funny because, you know, if you walk away as champion, I mean, if you did, let's say you retire and, and you know, you know, you wanted to go box, I'm sure the UFC would let you do that even if you were still under contract. But if you're a title holder, would they let you walk away from the title and go be go box? I don't I don't think so. So mm. it's kind of weird when, you, when you're balancing that out. You'd think if you really wanted to be free and clear – He'd want to stay away from the title and, and not have anything to do with that because then it complicates the, the contractual issue. But that said, uh, I, I do believe Jose in, in this situation, man. I, I I wouldn't say that he doesn't. I, I don't think he loves this. I mean, obviously he's done it for a long time, and it's 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 his competitive nature is there. It's provided for him and his family. Um, but I, I think he's. I don't think he feels like you know some of these people that oh I got to be in the game, you know. You know, Aldo doesn't speak English, but from all the times that I've been around him and, and all the times I've been down in Brazil, I mean, I get the feeling that, you know, all he really wants to do is just, you know, walk around and flip flops with his shirt off and play <laughs> FIFA and, you know, drink a coconut on the beach, man. I, I think that's life. the perfect life for Jose Aldo, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he is. You know, I, I think he'd like to box is almost just a challenge and, and it's almost something to stay fresh, you know what I mean, to kind of make it new again. Um, so I, I don't think it's just a, a contractual discussion point, man. I, I think he really is, is ready to be done. But I just, I just do caution. I do feel like he's a ways away from the featherweight title. But it does make me wonder, like, why in the hell would you want to win the featherweight title if you're trying to get away from the UFC? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. But before we let you go, John, the main event, of course, has Jessica Andrade challenging Rose for the strawweight belt. Before we even talk about the matchup, what do you think about the UFC making this fight in Brazil and giving you the challenge of the hometown advantage? It's kind of rare that we see the champion going into enemy territory for a title defense, but even more so into Brazil, where there's been a billion controversies. <laughs> it's so far away. It's like, you know, if you go fight a guy, a Canadian in Canada, it's one deal. When you're flying to Brazil to fight a Brazilian, and you're going up against that crowd, the judges, and everything in between, I mean, that's quite a big sort of difference. It's a massive difference. And let's add one more caveat on top of that. It's Rose who's been dealing with kind of like mental issues and things yeah. of that nature, and I'm not and I'm not trying to question her. I mean, I understand what she went through was was devastating, and not just in this you know the bus incident, but her, but her whole life. I mean, she's admitted she's kind of uh, fragile, I guess, but I mean, she's openly talked about it. You know what I mean? So like, 
to, for that champion of all champions to be the one that has to do this? Like, yeah, I was shocked. I was really, really shocked uh, at the assignment, to be honest with you. But I think that just goes to show you how much, you know, self-belief Rose does have at this point and the people around her have at this point as well, that they believe that, that they can go down to Brazil, face all those things, as you said. I mean, once you get in the cage, once you get in the cage, I mean, you'll hear most fighters will tell you, I don't care how loud the crowd is. I can't hear the crowd anyway. All I can hear is my corner. And, and I believe that's true. Um, but I can tell you, it is so loud down there. The, the crowd is just incredibly – I mean, Aldo Mendez, too. I, I remember, you know, there was a shot after the end of the first round that a lot of people said, oh, well, that changed the entire you know, course uh, yeah. of the fight. Dude, I was cage side. You couldn't hear the bell, man. Nobody could. It was not <laughs> dirty. Like, it was so loud you couldn't hear it. And the other thing that always that I always think about, too, is – is, you know, the, the, the loud chance to oof, I'm a rare, all that. You know, you're like, yeah, you're right. You only hear your corner. But, you know, w- what about when you're when you're kind of rocked and you're wobbled and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, you're dazed a little bit and you're trying to get your senses about you and all you can hear is those chants and that screaming and that volume like, my God, it's got to be tough. And you know Andrade is going to be coming out trying to rock you. So, yeah, man, tough, tough assignment. I was surprised it was announced. I think it's awesome, um, you know, that – they're having a women's title fight in Brazil. I think that's phenomenal. I, I think it's cool that Rose is doing this. Um, it's a tough assignment, man. There is a lot stacked against her. But, gosh, she's such a great champion. You think about what she went through in those two Joanna fights, man. Just the, 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 the psychological, mental battle and warfare that those fights were in addition to what they were in the cage. I mean, I, I think she's prepped for it, but, man, it just seems like it brings a lot of X factors to the table. I think stylistically it's a fascinating matchup because if you look at Rose's last two losses, it was against Carla Sparza, which feels like a million years ago, but she got out grappled. And you got to think Andrade is, at this point, a better grappler than uh, than than um, Carla Sparza. And then you look at the Karolina Kovalkiewicz loss where she got outstruck, whereas Andrade destroyed Karolina. But... Joanna just you well not destroy Joanna beat Andrade and Rose beat Joanna twice. So stylistically, it's it is a fascinating matchup. Who are you sort of leaning towards and, and how do you see this fight potentially going, John? Yeah, the MMA math is kind of bizarre in this yeah. one, right? But, yeah. uh, you know, listen, I will say, uh, and, and I, I almost feel bad saying this because I you know, I feel like I'm doubting Rose when she's proved herself to us already twice, you know. Um, but I'm I'm leaning towards Andrade in this for for kind of some of the reasons you said, you know, I think this might be a bad stylistic matchup for Rose. I mean, the, the one thing that does, I, I think if this gets done, it gets done on the ground for Rose. To be honest. I do not think Rose is going to outstrike Andrade. I might be wrong in thinking that. She is very technically precise. Uh, but, man, the, the, the power, the aggression of Andrade, I think that's a, a dangerous thing to play around with. I mean, Joanna, yeah, Joanna can touch you up a couple times. And you can say, dang it, I got caught there. You know, now I got to move. I, no, Andrade, you do not want to get touched up a couple times. You make some mistakes, the fight's over. Uh, so I, I don't think she's going to want this to be a, a completely stand-up battle. And, of course, Andrade has those incredible takedowns, you know, incredible power uh, on the ground as well. Uh, but I think Rose is really, really slick on the ground. And I think I think Jessica's going to have to be uh, cautious of that. I think she's going to be very aware of positioning, make sure she doesn't get caught in scrambles. I, to me, that's where I think Rose's best opportunities are going to come, are going to be in transitional battles, you know, in, in moving. Uh, you know, I, I don't see her necessarily – Rose taking the fight down and, and, and that, you know, you know, dominating from top position. I don't see her out striking over the course of five rounds. I, I think she's going to have to catch something in the transition. That's where I feel her best opportunity is. But I think it's a phenomenal fight. I think it's a close fight, but I'm, I'm, I'm leaning slightly towards Jessica Andrade in this one. 
Mm, wow. Well, let's just look at what's happening next. I mean, you get Tatiana Suarez facing off against Nina Ansaroff, UFC 238. Then there's also Michelle Waterson, who's, you'd think, a blockbuster superstar. And if UFC's trying to sort of push the division, she's a great sort of option to put up for a title shot because she's got so much of a following and you don't want it to lose and then miss out on that opportunity. So if Andrade is able to beat Rose, do you see one of them getting the next title shot? Or do you think the UFC takes the opportunity to put Joanna in a title rematch against Andrade? No, I don't think that fight's deserved right now. I mean, if anything, you'd see if, if Rose, you know, depending on how the fight went down. I think, look, you're, you're right about Watterson. I mean, she she gets clicks. She's a star. There's no question about it. But to me, you got to go with Tatiana. If Tatiana's victorious over Nina, I mean, what what more can she do? You know, I mean, I, I think she has future champ written all over her. Um, I, I think that'd have to be the that, that'd have to be the play. I mean, Watterson is always going to be involved in big matchups. She's, she's definitely a superstar. But uh, I, I think Tatiana's the real deal. I, I think she will hold UFC gold at some point. All right, so a big thank you to the boys at Submission Radio for having me on and, and for allowing me to uh, to repurpose that so we could we could play it here. I thought they did a good job of hosting uh, some discussion. I figured why not? Why not play it here as well? Uh, I did want to say that, that since we taped that, you know, I, I mentioned that I, I, I wanted to, you know, have an opportunity to speak to BJ Penn. For the record, uh, nobody in MMA Junkie got to speak with BJ Penn. Um, we had requested uh, an, an interview with BJ um, on Wednesday of Fight Week, and that was originally scheduled by the UFC, and, uh, and, and BJ uh, politely declined to attend that session. So that was canceled. And then at the media day, which was earlier today, uh, BJ uh, told the USCPR team, who then uh, passed it on to uh, our staff down there, Fernando Prochess and, and Ken Hathaway. Oh, who's that guy? Ken Hathaway. Fernando Prochess and Cole Coffey. <laughs> and uh, th- th- listen, he wasn't going to be... Uh, he wasn't going to be answering any questions from from MMA Junkie. So, um, you know, not a lot you can do in that situation. Uh, it kind of actually set up a, a little bit of a discussion with our own team about the, the right way to handle it. I mean, the UFC PR team, for the record, will not stop you from going over and, and asking questions. I mean, you're, you have the right to ask questions of anybody there. You're a credentialed media member, and he, he's an athlete attending a media session. Um, but, you know, ultimately, Fernanda and, and – and Cole Coffey decided, look, I mean, he said he's not going to speak to us. We, that's been made clear already this week. Um, let's let's just move on. You know, we can try to address this at a later time. Um, you know, I know he did speak to some other people, but uh, reports on the ground are that he, you know, he, he only spoke to people who agreed not to talk about anything outside of the fight, none of the pending legal investigation, none of the, none of the other stuff. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um yeah, unfortunate situation. I don't. I don't blame. B- Listen, I make it clear. I don't blame BJ Penn for not wanting to talk to MMA Junkie. I I get it, man. I mean, there's issue. You know, the things that we've reported on have, have been. You know, nothing's been wrong in our reporting. Nothing's been factually incorrect in our reporting. Uh, and, and so I don't believe that we've done anything uh, improper in the way that we've covered the, these these items of BJ Penn. But I understand why he wouldn't want to speak to us. I I, I don't fault him for that. So, um, you know, I don't think that any of these athletes are required, so to say, to speak to us. I mean, we appreciate the access, and of course, it's a two-way street. You know, that we're uh, they're using our platform to promote their opportunities as well and to try to increase their own financial gain. But 
but I understand why they wouldn't want to talk to us. So, uh, you know, unfortunately we've had to, you know, look at some of the things that, that, that I'm sure that BJ Penn doesn't enjoy speaking about or, or, or want to address, especially a couple days of, uh, of a UFC appearance. So, um, yeah, anyway, I, you know, if BJ is able to, to win on Saturday night, then maybe we'll get to hear a little bit afterwards um, about kind of what he's been going through and where he's at right now and, and those sort of things. So, uh, But uh, at least from MMA Junkie's perspective, we were not able to get any time with him. We did, however, get some time with Clay Guida. And, I, you know, as many big names as are on this card, I, you know, I think they're all appearing everywhere. You're getting your – your, your, your big media blitz of interviews from everybody available. But uh, our own Fernando Prachis and uh, Cole Coffey, who was working the camera, of course, got to sit down with Clay Guida. And, uh, of course, I don't see how you don't love Clay Guida, man. The guy's been around doing it forever, high energy every time out. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, a, a, a legend of the sport in his own right, man. And uh, I, I thought this interview was was fun. I, I really did. It, he kind of lets us in on some some history of uh, of kind of what this fight means. More more to it, uh, at least from his perspective, than I think anybody knew um, when it when it first got announced. And I, I just I just always like hearing from Clay Guida, man. I mean, uh, certainly he's he's getting up there in age as well, but. Um, Always brings it every time, and, and, and I'm a big fan of his. So uh, this is Fernando Prochis' interview with Clay Guida. I had to double-check when I saw the fight because it seemed like a fight that would have happened already, in a way. You guys have been around for so long. So what was your reaction when you saw the name BJ Penn on, on that contract? Um, yeah, the, um, the opportunity to fight BJ Penn, you know, uh, we jumped right at it. And this is, we were on a crash course probably 10 years ago this fight should have happened. Um, had I, you know, eked out a decision against Diego Sanchez, maybe I would have gotten the nod against him when BJ was unstoppable at that time. He had just uh, finished Sean Shirk, he beat Joe Stevenson, he, you know, manhandled Kenny Florian, and then he just dismantled um, Diego Sanchez in the, you know, uh, for the title. So maybe it was a little bit early for us, you know what I mean? But uh, so I think timing is everything in the sport, and the fans are going to get what they want, you know, whether it was 10 years ago or now. Um, come Saturday night, we're definitely going to uh, impress the crowd. and. BJ's no one to sleep on. He's always dangerous, and he comes ready to fight every time he steps in the cage. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it's no secret to anyone that he's um, a bit of a rough stretch there. I think he lost six in a row. But I, I was reading up on on the fight, and you said some like really nice things about him, and like you, you seemed to be really excited, right? Are you were you honored at all to be fighting him, even at this stage? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, not only is you know BJ an icon, you know, in the lightweight division, but he helped pave the way for the you know. Um, the landscape of mixed martial arts, you know, I think he's the only fighter to fight at five or six different weight classes because I know he fought at 145 and I believe he fought at light heavyweight or heavyweight one time when he was against Machida or something. Yeah. So I think he fought five or six different weight classes and the guy's got balls, you know what I mean? He'll get in there against anybody, anytime, anywhere, and he's always going to put on a show. He's always dangerous. So we're definitely not overlooking him and uh, we're bringing these guns. They're going to be blazing. Is it, is he one of those guys that you would point to at light as like one of your say icons in, in the promotion? Yeah, uh, BJ's definitely uh, one of the icons, one of my favorite fighters, but this one, um, there's a lot at home that um, a lot of people don't know about. His, his UFC debut was against my first uh, fighting coach, Joey Gilbert, who was arguably the greatest wrestler in Illinois. He was the first four-time state champ, and uh, he put it on my coach, Joey, so I got to bring one back for Chicago for the wrestling community and for Gilbert grappling. So there's a lot, uh, lot at stake back home, and. Uh, yeah, we got a lot to prove in this one, just on that aspect. Oh, 
so there is a little bit of a personal element to this one for sure okay DJ and knows but it's all in good uh, all good faith yeah and when did when they said I think you guys might be the only fight that features no Brazilians, right? So when they oh, yeah. announced, I think it might be, uh, when they announced, when they told you Brazil, like, how did that factor in, if it factored in at all? Um, you know what, we didn't realize, uh, it sounded like BJ chose to fight down here because it's been a dream of his forever. And yeah. think of how many fights he's had. Apparently he's never fought in Rio. Yeah. And um, just to think he was the first American Brazilian uh, Jiu-Jitsu champion or world champion, which is incredible. Um, so I'm surprised he's never fought down here. And uh, I'm not going to make his first time down here a friendly invite. And how do you um, look at that? I mean, I think you said... Um He's not an opponent that you can sleep on, but I think because of his kid, everybody just is kind of like at this point maybe expecting him to lose. And then on the other hand, there is the kind of like a desperate man is the dangerous man. Is that kind of how you're approaching that? I think you're very right. Desperate man is a dangerous man. He's fought the who's who. He's got power, uh, power in his hands. Um, he's no one to take lightly on the ground. He's submitted the best of the best. So uh, we're going to put the pace on him and bring the old guida ground upon. How do you um, how do you see it playing out? I mean, I think. We've, we know how you fight, but like, what is the plan for him specifically? I've never, uh, never been one for fight predictions, but uh, just know we're going to leave the fans on their feet and uh, my hand's going to be raised high. I mean, obviously with BJ, um, outside the cage there's been some things going on and, and some things that came to light, some like disturbing allegations, and uh, it, it ends up be becoming part of the story of the fight. For you, as an opponent, do you even pay attention to that at all, or is it something that you never even no I push it to the side it has nothing to do with me um, or my training camp and I hope he's able to push that aside and just focus solely on the fight and what's important because uh, you know that's all that matters right now in his camp and I hope the best we're praying for him and his family and all the best to them and um, pray for his health and a good fight you've been at team alpha male for a while right yeah that I think, was still I think we're going about camp. four years now yeah and you still did the full camp there yep absolutely awesome. the best, uh, best camp best mm -hmm. gym in the world Alpha midgets, I call them. A lot, of, a lot of people don't appreciate it, but they're the toughest little dudes on the planet. And looking at your career, though, I mean, you, you're coming off a loss, Charles, but you were uh, on a streak before that. And you, it's an interesting one when you think about BJ because obviously he's not at his best, but he's a name. How do you assess your future? Do you think of what, what a win here will do for you, or is it at this point of your career something that... You're not even that concerned about me. Yeah, you know what, um, Charles Oliveira, I give him all the, you know, <laughs> all the credit. He caught me, no doubt. He was better than me that night. Um, I embarrassed myself in front of my family, in front of my friends, in front of my city, Chicago, and I'm looking to make good on that down here in Brazil, and uh, you know, get back to Chi Town and put on another show for them sometime, uh, sometime down the road. Um, and he's been on a terror. Charles Oliveira has been submitting everybody since then, um, so it makes me not feel as bad about it. But uh, as far as me and uh, my training goes, I'm having more fun in this sport now than I ever have, and uh, I'm improving on the smaller things. You know, my coaching staff, you know, at Team Alpha Male, and uh, Joey Rodriguez, and Chris Holdsworth, and Uriah Faber, Danny Castillo, they've all put the pieces together and um, have helped me make huge gains um, to get to the skill level um, that I need to be in to continue to have success in the sport. And, and speaking of which, you're both veterans and people talk about how you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but uh, you're just telling me that there are still things in your game that you're honing and things that you're learning. At this point, are there still things, like do you feel like you're still learning every day at the gym? Well, I'm not an old dog, so I got a lot of new tricks coming. So as far as BJ, I'm not going to let him break his bag of tricks out. And what about fighting? Like, 
you're coming over here all the way to Brazil, like putting entire fight camps. Like I said, you've been doing this for so long. Are you still excited about it? Like, does it still like going into fight week? Do you still like get amped up about it? Yeah, it's pretty funny. I just got done running down the beach this morning. And I came back to jump on the scale, and one of the cornermen and his uh, his student, they asked me, the coach goes, man, do you ever get tired of this shit? I'm like, man, how could you? Look at, we're down here in Brazil, we're on an island, we just got to run on a beach, you know what I mean? I'm going to go eat, you know, awesome Brazilian food. Like, how do you get tired of this stuff? And I told them, like I tell everyone, once I'm done having fun, it's when I hang up the gloves and move on to bigger and better pastures. What makes you not want to do that now? Like, what drives you every day? You're waking up and you're all sore and you're going through all of this again. What, what motivates you to just keep grinding? Man, there's no choice. I don't want to go back to that life I had before of getting up at four or five in the morning to be forced to go to a cold job site in the Chicagoland area or a hundred degree heat humidity, you know, in the you know Midwest Illinois sun. You know what I mean? I get to do what I want. I get to train um, on my terms. You know what I mean? And I get to compete on my terms. And there's nothing like that. It's the you know we're so blessed in this life and so blessed in our career. And I, I, I can't imagine any other way. I get to fish, you know, pretty much whenever I want and train all day. You, you said it, like, I'm not an old dog. Uh, and you're not, but I think you're reaching that fighter age where everybody just starts asking you mm -hmm. about, you know, not retiring, but, like, are you thinking ahead? Like, are you already planning that out? And I'm going to be one of those people to yeah, ask you. Okay. How do you see just the next few years? Do you make that plan for yourself? Or are you just really taking it one fight at a time? How does the future look in fighting look for you at this point? Um, I still think this, this sport is so premature that uh, it's hard to put an age limit on um, retirement. You know, if you look at the Randy Couture's, the Dan Henderson's, the Chuck Liddell's of the sport, you know what I mean? Uh, look at GSP. They're scientists that have done studies that people always think your prime is in your mid to late 20s, but I've heard that uh, prime for a male is in their, their mid 30s to maybe late 30s. So if you look at some of these guys and if you look at the landscape of the champions in the UFC, I believe the average, I think most of the champs are in their, are all in their 30s. I think only one or two is in their 20s uh, right now. So. Um, like I said, I'm improving every day, and uh, I can't even spell retirement right now. <laughs> and speaking of champions, I think when, whenever I ask uh, a fighter who's just come out, like, what is your goal? Like, everybody's just very quick to answer the title or the belt. Like, that idea is just very clear in their heads. And when you talk to a fighter who has been around for so long and who has, like, under, you know, kind of felt that the sport goes a little bit beyond that, maybe you get a different answer. So, for you, do you still have that idea like I need to get the, to the title or are you at this point just not as concerned maybe about that? That's a very good question. Um, I haven't tasted gold, I haven't touched gold since I was the, you know, the inaugural lightweight strike force champion back in 2006. It's a long time ago, you know what I mean? But I still wake up and yearn for that, uh, for that strap around my waist because there was no better feeling than having that, you know what I mean? And I know I'm two or three fights away from being right back in that top five. And anyone who knows my fighting style knows that I can upset anybody on any given day. And I always believe that, you know, deep down in my heart. And fans, they might know I don't have the, you know, the highest skill level by any means, but I can come in there and I can bang with the best of them. So that gold, that title, that, you know, that strap is always in my sights. And last thing for me, you touched on it a little bit, but when you see Saturday's flight, fight like playing out in your head, how do you see it going down and how do you see it ending? And I see an all-out scrap. Like BJ Scholl's shirts used to say, just scrap. You're going to see an old dog, and <laughs> you're going to see a young kid with new tricks in there.
right, so the carpenter sharing a little insight on what's going on. I, I love to because the other thing that didn't make sense to me was why this fight was taking place in Brazil. And there you get the answer that, at least from what Clay heard, uh, BJ was the one who wanted to fight in Brazil. You know, it, it makes sense. He comes down and trains with Novo Niao. And, uh, you know, of course, he's got the, the link to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, it, it makes sense. And, I, you know, from that perspective, I always thought it made sense. But what I didn't realize is that, you know, BJ uh, apparently played a role in that and, and wanted to uh, wanted to do that. So, uh, listen, man. UFC 237, we mentioned the names, man. Uh, I am picking Andrade over Rose. I, I, I am. As I, as I laid out there in the preview earlier, I'm picking Andrade over Rose, but I think this is a toss-up fight. Uh, I, 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 you know, could be a rough night for Anderson Silva. Could be a rough night for Jose Aldo. Tiago Alves, look at that. I mean, he's he's in there, you know, and, and he got that split decision last time out. But, whoo, I don't know, man. I No, no, I, I love Tiago. But that fight with Max Griffin, I'm not sure. Uh, and so, you know, this is big for him. He wants to get that. Uh, Brazil versus Brazil there. Diego Fajeda versus Francisco Trinaldo. Of course, Diego Fajeda uh, lives in Texas now. So, therefore, I'm, 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 I got I to gotta have his back. <laughs> Especially considering he comes up to our, our boys in Dallas, Texas, my hometown. He comes up to Fortis MMA to train with Safe Sode and, and those guys out there. So, uh, you know, Brazil, Brazil there. But little Nog is back in action against Ryan Spann. That's dangerous. Uh, you know, some, some some names here, you know, especially with, with Little Nog, with BJ Penn, with Anderson. I don't put Aldo quite in that boat right there, you know, but just some big names that, you know, are, are reaching the end of it. So this will be a this will be real interesting because it's either gonna it's either gonna have a real good flow where that crowd is just gonna be going nuts because they're these these heroes of Brazil are racking up victories and the crowds behind them. So it's either gonna be one of those insane feel good moments. And I'm telling you, when it's like that, that crowd in Brazil gets loud. Or it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be flat. It's gonna have people going, oh man, you know, we just saw our boy lose. So. I'm kind of kind of anxious to see how the ebbs and, and flows of, of this card really go. Um, we'll we'll see we'll see. I'm I'm uh I I, I I'm gonna be flipping back and forth between these cards. I definitely am, and uh, we'll see. It's it's going to be a, a busy night for the staff. Uh, all right, listen. Uh, earlier today, I had a chance uh, to get Stephen Thompson on the phone. If you're a long time listener of of the show, you'll know that the last time I interviewed him, I screwed up the audio. <laughs> I was interviewing him while I was in Australia. It was his head of his last fight, uh, and unfortunately, uh, my audio got screwed up, and so I didn't get to do anything with it. So when I had a chance to get him on the phone today, I said, "I got to do it. I got to do it." He's actually in his hometown of Greenville, South Carolina, running around doing all the media needed. Uh, for the on sale. Tickets are going on sale for UFC on ESPN, uh, ESPN Plus 12. Moicano versus the Korean Zombie. Of course, Hinato Moicano, Chan Song Jung in the uh, the headliner there in Greenville, South Carolina. And they're using Wonder Boy uh, <laughs> to go around and, 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 you know, do media, do on sale media for a car that he wanted to headline. Uh, but, of course, he can't because of the knockout he suffered. So, um Man, uh, unfortunate, unfortunate for him. But as you'll see, uh, you, you can't ask for more uh, of a positive, upbeat dude than Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Hey, this is Stephen Thompson. How are you? I'm good, brother. How you doing, man? Doing good, my friend. Doing good. Awesome. This is still a good time for you? Oh, yeah. It's perfect. Awesome. Well, let's just get into it, man. Get, 
Give me an idea how you're feeling, man. This has got to be a little bit bittersweet, right? I mean, you're, you're driving around town hyping up an event that we know you wanted to headline, and, and you can't be there. So what's, what's this experience like for you? Man, I mean, I, I'm just super stoked that, you know, the UFC is coming to my hometown. Of course, you know, obviously I wanted to, I wanted to be on this card. It would have just made it that much more sweeter. But, you know what, got to take, take it slow, you know, after getting, you know, knocked out of the last fight against Anthony Pettis. Um, you know, I just want to take it slow, make sure everything's right upstairs before I step back out in that octagon, you know. But, you know what, I'm, I'm excited, I'm pumped. Uh, I'm doing social media tour today. Uh, just hyping it up, baby. Hey, listen, man. I know you're a good dude that's always in a good mood. But was there any was there any part of you that that thought about saying no when they said, "Hey, man, we need your help"? To just be like, "Nah, man. I, I, I this this hurts my feelings too much." <laughs> Not at all, man. As soon as I got the phone call, you know, I was like, "Of course, I want to be there. I want to have some part of, you know, uh, you know, I, I, me and my dad have worked really hard to get the UFC to come to our hometown." <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, you know, anything I can do to help make it that much, you know, more better, whatever we guys, you know, having the UFC come to my hometown, getting people there, packing the place out, because I want the UFC to come back. And, and uh, if they do, man, I would love to headline that card then. But uh, right now, man, this is just for the people, because I got a lot of fans here in Greenville, South Carolina, who make the trips to Liverpool, who make the trips to Canada and, and you know, Vegas and New York City. And, you know, for once, I wanted to bring the UFC to them and, we made it happen. That's awesome. What's what's the what's the MMA scene like there, Stephen? I mean, uh, obviously, I know you got your great school there and your fans, but I mean, is this a is this an MMA hotbed? I mean, is is the sport popular there? What's uh, is it going to be a packed house? What, what's the scene like there? Oh yeah, man. I mean, even though I'm not on the card, it's definitely going to be a packed house. We got MMA shows going on literally every other weekend here. We got you know uh, some really good promotions, lower class promotions. We got fighters from. Uh, our gym, obviously, and some local gyms, but it, it is, man. It's, it is definitely an MMA hotspot, which which people don't really know about. You know, everybody thinks of Greenville, South Carolina, being just this retirement place for old people that come here and retire, <laughs> and it's and it's not true. You know, I mean, it's it's definitely growing and, and getting bigger every day. And I think UFC coming here is going to make it that much that much, you know, more popular. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, give us the update on you, man. You had that awesome social media post after your after your loss, where you were still in a great mood. Uh, I just wonder if you've had a chance to to go analyze that fight yet, and, and what you thought. I mean, you, you look damn good in the fight, man. And then things changed on a dime. What uh, what what do you take out of a fight like that? Man, you know what? What I take from that is that you can't take anybody lightly. You can't. You never know what's going to happen, so you have to stay, you know, focused every step of the way in a fight because anything can happen. This is why this sport is so dang, like, you know, exciting. You never know. Mm. I mean, I went back. I watched it probably about, like, a million times. <laughs> and, you know, I was. I was out there. I was crushing him. I was winning. I blooded, I, I blooded his nose. I broke his nose. And all I remember, to be honest with you, is going back to my corner after that first round, I looked down at my chest, and I had all, all of his blood on me. And I looked across the octagon, I knew his nose was broken. <laughs> so I was like, stepped up off the stool, and I said, I thought to myself, I want to be a little more aggressive this round. <clears throat> and uh, that's all I remember. Crazy. That is all I remember. I don't remember any of the second round. <clears throat> yeah, man, it was it was crazy. But, hey, man, this is out of 80 fights, this is the first time I've ever been knocked out. 
So hopefully we'll go in another 85 sport happens again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's a crazy so, yeah, stat. Man. I mean, with all the stand-up, you know, stand-up fights that you had before MMA, I mean, the first time to be knocked out, I mean, that's actually pretty damn impressive when you think about it. I mean, you mentioned the, the, the brain health and that you want to be careful and all that. I mean, does this change anything? I mean, being knocked out for the first time, does it, does it mentally affect you at all? Does it, does it change the way you think about the game, the, the, the way you fight? Not at all, man. Uh, to be honest with you, this, this right here has lit a fire in me more than anything else, you know, this is the first time I've ever been knocked out. It's like, man, wait, what's going on? You know, I'm, I'm literally the, the, the week after the fight, I was back in the, back in doing some studying, doing, you know, nothing really too extensive, but, you know, doing some back work, working some drills. Um, obviously I haven't been doing any sparring or taking any contact, but man, I, I am itching at the best to do it again. And it has definitely lit a fire in me. It hasn't changed me one bit mentally. Um, knowing, just knowing that, hey, you know, you cannot take anybody. Of course, I, don't, I wasn't taking Anthony lightly at all, but you never know what to expect. So you got to make sure you're 100% prepared before you step out there. Anything can happen. Um, so, which stinks, I did it pretty much in front of my hometown. It was, there was, um, that Nashville card was like sold out by everybody from Greenville. It was so many people <laughs> from Greenville there in my hometown. Of course, for, it had to happen in front of them, but it is what it is, man. And, you know, I'm, I've always been a positive guy. Of course, my dad, when I was in the hospital, he's the one. It was his idea to put me on Facebook Live and, <laughs> and, and check. And everybody wanted to know how I was. You know, yeah. there was a lot of people there, a lot of our students there, and they were wondering, you know, how I was doing. So, and just let everybody know I was doing great, man. I, I was fine. I wasn't going to let this slow me down. No doubt. It was a great message, man. I know it was well-received. So, I mean, uh, I, I guess what are the plans? I mean, you're itching to get back, but you don't want to do it too soon. I mean, do we see you before the end of this year? Is it, you know, late summer? Is it, do you wait till fall, winter? What's, what's, the, what's the early indication in your idea right now if everything plays out perfect? Yeah, man, if everything plays out perfect, you'll, you'll definitely see me this year. Hopefully September, October. Hopefully uh, they'll, they'll, bring the, they'll go back to Madison Square Garden. would love to be on that show as well. love fighting in front of my, my New York fans. So you will definitely see me this year, hopefully sooner than later, um, to make this happen. So, yeah, that's the plan. Awesome, man. Well, one last thing for me. Let's get your – do you have any early leans on this main event in South Carolina, Moicano, the Korean Zombie? I mean, uh, you, I know it's not your division, but, but these are exciting fighters, man. You got any early idea of, of what we're going to see? Man, all I know is it's going to be a war, man. Makano is a very, very, uh, very good striker. He's very well-rounded, but you can't take Korean Zombie lightly. I mean, you saw his last fight. He did get, I think he was knocked out by that reverse elbow, right? Right, right. But that was such a freak thing that uh, that would put anybody down. Yep. So a Korean Zombie, he's looking for some redemption. So I'm going for my man, Korean Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. All right, man. Wait, listen, I know you're busy out there getting, getting the uh, UFC on board, so I, I appreciate you uh, taking some time, man. Anytime, brother. You have a good one. All right, you too, bro. All right, so there you have it. Wonder Boy telling us that it's going to be sold out in South Carolina. We'll see. Uh, you know, usually when the UFC goes to a new market, they do pretty well. Um, you know, n not the biggest card by, by any stretch. It's, you know, it don't have any superstars on it, but that's a very, very fun matchup with Moicano and Chan Song Jung. And, and of course, anytime the USC comes to a market for the first time, there's novelty, right? I mean, you've been waiting. You know, if you're an MMA fan, you've been waiting. And you don't know when it's going to come back. You know, you get if it comes to your market every year, 
you know, okay, yeah, now you start picking and choosing a little bit. But when it's coming to your town for the first time ever, usually they're able to, to sell tickets pretty well. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see what with uh, Wonder Boy's help if, if they can get sold out. So, all right, listen, uh, getting underway here shortly is PFL. Of course, unfortunately, with the, the timing of when they do their cards, uh, don't always get to say a whole lot about PFL. Um because it's basically starting as we're recording or going on as we're recording. But that does get back underway. So uh, that's on ESPN Plus and ESPN 2. So more MMA on ESPN. I like that. I, I, I like that. The more MMA that we can get on on these channels, the better. So uh, pay attention to PFL. I will say I, I really enjoyed last season a lot more than I thought I would. Just seeing the standings, it, it, it did more to me than, than, uh, than I thought it would. So Kayla Harrison is the, the main event tonight, Larissa Pacheco. Of course, by the time you hear this, this fight will be over, which is why I'm not going to spend too much on it. But uh, I am intrigued by the fact that Kayla Harrison is getting a, a late-notice replacement in Larissa Pacheco, much more experienced than the girl Kayla was supposed to be fighting. Um, I do think Kayla should win this fight still, um, but being so early in her career, it is interesting to see how she deals with this. A more experienced foe, late-notice replacement. I don't think it matters, especially when you consider her judo background. I mean, think about it. You go to a judo tournament, and it's kind of like a wrestling tournament, right? You have no idea who you're going to be competing against. you got to be ready for everybody. So for that reason, I don't think it's going to bother her as much as it might other people. Um, I think she's used to just, you know, okay, who's next? Yeah, all right, let's go. So I don't think it's going to bother her that much, but cage fighting is different than judo tournament, so we'll see. Uh, all right, well, listen, also, uh, I have got to step out tonight. I will be debuting on the mic tonight for Final Fight Championship at the Fight Dome here at the Rio in Las Vegas. Uh, kind of been working on this in the background, and, and uh, the debut is tonight myself. Frank Mir will be on the call, so I've got to head over there and get started. Uh, five fight card tonight. Right now it's delayed to uh, uh, CBS Sports Network. Uh, is uh, is how it works. They're they're kind of working through all the details on that right now, but the, they're basically taping this. It's a mixed rules uh, event, which is cool. It's it's an event that does MMA, boxing, kickboxing, all on the same card uh, tonight. It'll be mostly MMA, a couple local guys, a syndicate fighter, uh, it's extreme couture fighter, uh, and then kickboxing will be the main event. But uh, yeah, final fight championship. Keep an eye on them. Uh, they're doing big things. I mean, they're hiring a guy like me, so you know they're doing big things. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I like what they're doing. I I really do the. It's uh, this cool little venue uh, over at the Rio, and they're gonna they're, they're they're scaling things up. I think by the end of this year they'll be doing two events a month. And um, I, man, I just think it's a much needed organization here in Las Vegas. We've got tough enough as the premier amateur organization in, in the country, uh, and people are coming here to 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 kind of test their chops at the amateur level. But then once you you know, if you're training here, once you kind of get out of that amateur level and you start going pro, yeah, you got the UFC, but there was no kind of gap in between. I mean, so you had to leave town. So to have opportunities, you know, every two weeks uh, for local fighters here that are in these, you know, plethora of amazing gyms that we have here in Las Vegas. Uh, and, of course, traveling talent is coming in as well. Um, I think it's a phenomenal uh, opportunity. So I'm, I'm, I'm loving the fact that they're, uh, that they're having me in. And I think there's going to be kind of a rotating crew of uh, of of uh, of people calling the fights, but I know for, for at least for the time being, it's going to be myself and Frank Mir 
Uh, so I'm, I'm anxious for that. We've Frank and I have known each other for a long, long time, but we've never called a fight together before. So we've had we've had a lot of conversations. We've had a lot of interviews. Uh, we've talked about fights. We've just talked about family. We've talked about everything else. Uh, this will be the first time we, we get to sit down and call some fights. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, sorry we couldn't hear from Cole Coffey this week. Uh, he wanted me to uh, send his apologies, but uh, he basically told me he is getting his ass kicked in Brazil. <laughs> He's had some internet issues and, and, and things of that nature. So he apologizes. Uh, but uh, obviously he sends his regards, and, and him and I will be back together next week. So we'll, uh, we'll look forward to that. And in the meantime, thanks for listening.